0: Out of respect for my people, I'll introduce myself and my language. Inaniane uh, kualitatenoba, nunu naniet. i Chris Hoag, nunu naniet. Paihu nadi agimana, basipu awe nui Kimadu South Street, awe uh, New Bishop, California, Nu Katiti, uh, Nu hold up, Ugu hold up, ihi tesiai I say... I bea u Nancy Barlow nani adu I... Dolgo u Steve Barlow Sr nani adu I mua uh, Catherine Summers nani adu uh, I nawa u David Hoheg nani adu I kuna u Earl Hoheg nani adu <laughs> Putsi u uh, Doris nani adu? My name is Chris Hohag and uh, I'm a native person from the Owens Valley, what's known as Owens Valley, we call it Payahunadu. I gave you a little rundown about my home, where I'm from, uh, I live in Bishop, here we are sitting in South Street, town of Bishop, this um, is my baby girl Tessie with me, I gave you some rundown on who I am based on my relatives that connect me to this place and, and elsewhere. That's really important. I was taught that from a really young age, but I went through a phase where that was weird to do, and I never did anything other than the quick introduction. But I think in this context, it's important to do that. And I think, um, out of respect for sharing some some native values, I'm honored to be able to share that. I think who I'm re- who I'm connected to. My grandfather was from here. My her mom's been from here her whole life. Um, my grandmother on my mother's side also came from Mono Lake so she's from the people up that way and uh, we're known as Paiute today but also Noom in our language I'm an advocate I guess you could say I'm a water protector and a lot of different hats I wear here in the community but I'm a tribal member here for the Bishop Paiute Tribe trying to do everything I can to contribute to the protection of our homelands for the benefit of all of us here today and and for the benefit of our future generations. What started my interest in water and food sovereignty is really just being interested in my my home, my backyard, my community, because those kind of things tied in to just living everyday life here. My grandparents had a garden. My parents had a garden when I was a kid. and. Um, that's become less and less common i've heard a lot of people say so food sovereignty is just another newer term for something i think has always been around always 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 and we're using food sovereignty now because it happens to fit the context of the times we're living in the issue of managing water has largely been taken away from us and that was systematically designed you know and so the city of los angeles probably does 99 percent of the water management activities in the Owens Valley and we're talking about land re- or water retention uh, projects on the reservation they're very small impact to the greater greater valley but they would always be important as a demonstration project we have some small ponds and things on the reservation here we have wetlands and things like that I would love to see more all over the valley that would be amazing this valley has the most amazing potential for water retention, if it was used the way it was meant to be used, or you know, historically, this place has only been perceived by the Western man as a place of taking water out of, and then they take it to the city where they say there's a massive demand for it, and then they send it to the ocean. Like we we're, you know, talking off recording that this Los Angeles basin is designed as a drain, you know, that doesn't capture hardly any of its own water which is enough to utilize for its own needs of its population, and then just sends it to the ocean, all the while creating a huge expense and focus on extracting water from so many places. This one, in particular, people are not aware of, but like, you know, if not the first, one of the first, and the longest and the the freest to them. So for us, I mean, I think I, I would love to see water retention utilized as a, A tool for revitalizing the valley as a whole and that, oh, LA, you need somewhere to take your... Since hold your water until you're ready to use it, just leave it where it wants to go. I mean, I couldn't see anything more obvious than, you know, the last several years of water runoff when when we had a huge winter after Standing Rock. The Sierras had a huge winter and then all that runoff and, and the Los Angeles Department of Water and Power wanted to divert the water that would be filling up the lake and send it into the desert because they didn't want to destroy or disrupt their investment in dust mitigation that didn't include water because water would destroy what they had already invested in, but water is the best mitigation you could ever design, and they didn't want that to happen because they were worried about money versus what they were trying to do, which is mitigate dust. So, I, you know, when this water keeps coming, like right now, the water's flowing from another big storm in a big winter. you got to... Take advantage of that and not just use it for extractions purposes like water retention let's just say Pahagua or Owens Lake for instance for one one very large example is a huge water retention um, basin that is natural that is meant to be filled up and that could be utilized and it would affect a lot of benefits I think in this valley and on the reservations we can do little small few hundred acre max impacts But the reservations are several hundred acres in total. And then there's people living there and then there's tribal business trying to happen and all this commerce and attempt at modern life in the context of this small plot of land. Water retention is is somewhat of a priority, but the land as a whole is so hard to come by for the tribes that it might just breed a mosquito nuisance, I don't know. But we, we do it on the reservation in Bishop because we have wetlands. I don't think some of the other reservations are in that position to have wetlands in particular. The Owens River has a ton of potential as well for broader wetlands. As I heard from some of my elders that the river that flowed through Payohunadu was once such that you you had at least one mile, probably typical of several miles of of marsh on either side of the river. There's just so much wet, marshy valley, moisture you know and the water table is so high so you had your river flowing but then you had a lot of wetlands beyond that you know you need to hold water for your future and so when you have these big water years I saw them panic about what to do with this runoff what are you going to do what are you going to do like all those reservoirs on the west side almost broke or some did because of this not being prepared for the water oh baby fell again probably If we understood the way that water behaves, we could better prepare to utilize big snowpack years like this instead of squandering what they call resources, but we know is responsible for life. That year from 2017 provided a lot of life to the valley and a lot of birds and a lot of other animals. If it went to Owens Lake, which some of it did, but if it revitalized that lake, it'd be a beautiful thing for everyone to witness and to be a part of. In the future, if we can make the jump from this extraction orientation to rejuvenation of a natural wetland, which Owens Valley is, then everyone would be really proud of a rejuvenated lake that is a sight to behold that right now we can only talk about that our ancestors once saw because those same ancestors for some also drained it in less than a decade. So we're, we talk about it with such reverence and beauty and majesty and then act so powerless to ever see it again. This country does that with a lot of things, actually. All you have to do is have the will to make a decision that benefits more people. And I think the decision makers in the city of L.A. would do a lot of good karma for themselves and their people to allow that water to stick around here longer instead of continuing to try to siphon it out as quickly as possible to then hold it in reservoirs in Southern California to then let it bleed out via their drain system that is the Los Angeles River. So There are plenty of dry ditches in this valley that stopped flowing because the water was diverted to a very single flow to get out of here as fast as possible so that it didn't get the chance to absorb into the earth. Therefore, you know, our, our water table has suffered there's plenty of infrastructure that nature already provided for that water to go and it just needs to be allowed to flow some of these dams ought to be undammed do people need to adapt yes have we always adapted yes do people build homes in terrible locations yes is it their fault when it forest fire burns them sometimes hopefully not but you know we know based upon the way nature behaves Where are good places to live and not? Indigenous people the world over have locations where they would tell you don't build your house there because you have to respect nature first and foremost. I'm not saying people need to get flooded out of their homes, but I'm saying we, as human beings, need to adjust our management of water to allow water to go some places where we've stopped it from going where it's meant to go. And In this case, there's a lot of dry ditches where people don't live that I don't think the water would hurt anyone but would only benefit a lot but people see the water as another type of value you know which is dollar sign value which is get it out of here as quickly as possible that's the mindset that we're in now and that's the mindset that was a uh, a part of the times when it was built this this marvel that everyone's super proud of that took the water out of here but we're all a part of the story and that's how water transcends cultures i mean it really blends us all together and the connection of Standing Rock to Paya Hunadu was very clear because I think for any of us who know a little bit about what happened here saw what's happening there um, kind of like what had already happened here but in a slightly different vein because theirs had to do with the poisoning of their water but Culturally, it had the similar impact, I think, and a similar threat. You can't think of anything worse for your future generations than having poisoned water to drink. So I think we all related to that on a fundamental human scale. And as it relates to Native people in a, a pan-Indigenous movement, I think we're all just spiritually woke to that at this point. And, I, and I clearly not just Native people, but human beings across the world and even this nation that converged at Standing Rock to um, basically kind of like see each other (laughs) and kind of like say okay I see you it's just a beautiful thing to recognize each other's humanity as native people and diversity as native people I mean humanity as all people because I met people from so many cultures in that one square mile space it was crazy 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 it was a beautiful thing it felt like you had like almost shown up on another planet with all these for the most part, honorable people are to do the right thing. It was very interesting. It was definitely being on the front line of a, of a war zone, knowing what the other side is capable and where their head and their spirit is. I would say other than the sad part that it went through, the message we won and the fact that the awareness and the spiritual fire of that space, you know, did go around the world and it is still moving. I know it's moving here. I'm thankful to those youth and the people and those ancestors of Standing Rock for bringing us all together and then from there sending a spiritual coal from that fire flames all around the world all around the world, really all around America all around North, South, East, West yeah, no amount of money would ever be able to put it out with, with a fire hose it's inspiring it's empowering and it's uh, very hopeful for the future generations to know that there's good things coming and that there's there's always like a spiritual battle being waged up in that realm, but that we're a part of things here and that, you know, your life has purpose and it's always good to protect good, clean water for everyone. That's the right thing to do. A lot of people from here experience that and I'm so thankful for that. I feel really blessed for our future in this valley because of how many people felt that Reality while there at that time, because I don't know that that exists again. In particular, I wasn't really very much a moment in time for as long as it existed. I felt that when I was there. I felt that when I was away from that. It was really heartwarming every time I saw a face from here, show up in that California kitchen or anywhere. On the front line out there in North Dakota, it was just—it was crazy to be like, "You're here, you're here," because that meant they understood the importance of water. And that means even though we haven't been on a front line here in that particular way, or in that—you know, like we haven't been fighting like that since we fought with the cavalry here, and you know, really got subdued, really in a harsh way. But we've tried to get along with people for the most part since then. But to see that and to know that they understood the importance of that fight. And that they showed up halfway across the country from the same place. That meant when we came home, we were gonna share the same experiences and values and be able to see each other eye to eye back here. And that's what I've experienced since that happened, you know, and it means you're on a good path, I guess. There's something that's the right thing, you know? It seems like the right thing is really clear, but it seems like so many people are invested in the wrong thing. And so it's like you kind of had to, to have faith. That's why it was a, a spiritual gathering. And that's why I think what will happen here eventually is, is much bigger than a practical thing, I and mean, that's a part of it. It's going to be a spiritual thing, you know? It'll be a rejuvenation of this valley in a great, great way that we maybe don't even quite comprehend. Imagine if this place was thriving the way it is meant to, and it wasn't constantly being dragged down by our daily extraction practices based on our perceived needs as human beings. I think there's beautiful things to come if we can stay on that path forward and stick to the vision. That standing up kind of help push and unify people toward. I'm working on tribal tourism i think i should practice talking about it on this podcast because i don't talk about it enough because there's sometimes reasons that natives don't talk about things but like it could be a touchy subject you know you don't want to be perceived as exploiting but in this case it's too important to educate to not do it and it's not being done so um yeah i'm trying to create a tribal tour guide business and educate the folks that come to payahuna do to our real history here and our real values and what could be through the lens of Native people while seeing things that they're not gonna see on their own little, you know, set vision wherever they're headed to Mammoth and back. <laughs> so it's just about trying to provide an opportunity to learn and uh, employ Native people doing sustainable, what we're gonna call eco-tourism, because it's a model that works in certain parts of the world that we don't happen to have here. So. I want to do things in a good way that employs Native people doing healthy outdoor lifestyles back on our lands, reconnecting us to our lands and waters, and helping other people respect our lands and waters properly. So it's very much lacking a Native voice in the narrative that drives this place and why people come here. They come here for their their own particular heaven, and that's great, you know, whether it's climbing a rock or fishing or hiking, I mean, that's wonderful. But it's important to know the original people here and know their not just their history, but to know they're presently here, and we're put to the past too much. And I think it's uh, it's very important that we're part of our present day conversations if we're going to take care of this earth. So, yeah, Legendary Skies Enterprises, is the company. Life from Legendary Skies is the is the podcast, and uh, I guess the website is LegendarySkiesEnterprises.com or ChrisHilleg.com if you just want to do that and go the same place. But I think these are are hugely important tools right now, what you're doing with this podcast. Uh, My goal with with my podcast, sometimes I get too many projects in the cooker because there's so many needs here. But I believe it's everyone's challenge, and this time is to stay focused on what's most important. But to have these important conversations and to spread them around, I mean, I appreciate being a part of it. And I hope people will share these things with people they know that are going to care as well and have the power to do something about it because everyone's got power to do something. It's just about what are you going to do with it. And I think a lot of people give up their power for various reasons and don't do what is within their power or don't do the right thing because of some such and such reason. But man, now's the time to get it done. Now's the time we can make things happen, really great things happen for the next generation. I feel like if we can use the tools at our disposal to move things along, then let's, let's do it.